Hey queen, girl, you have done it again, constantly raising the bar for us all and doing it flawlessly. I'd say I'm surprised, but I know who you are. I've seen it up close and personal. Girl, you make me so proud and I love you. Hey queen. Hey queen. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a minute. It has been a minute. I just needed this. uh, This has been my daily pick me up. Um, for good measure, for good inspiration, for good vibes. Thank you, Michelle, for this uh, inspirational video. Uh, it really is one of the last or the the best things to come out of the last ten years or so. Whenever that video happened, especially the long format, the old star long format. <laughs> I really want to buy that Samsung frame TV and just hang it, you know, in my hallway and have that running on a loop. Is that the one we saw at the trade booth in the art fair in Toronto (laughs) when we were in town? Yeah, it's the one that looks like framed contemporary art on the wall. The one that like (laughs) seamlessly flows into the wall? (laughs) Yeah, you can get like a birch frame, a white frame, a black frame. I would get the birch frame uh, and I would have like Michelle matted. It would look like there's a a picture mat around her. (laughs) What kind of slideshow would you have... uh... I would just have would that have running. Repeat? I would just have that video running. And then when I get near it, the audio activates. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. That's my new interactive work. I uh, Personally, I don't know anyone who lives with a uh, video installation to um, in any sort of way in their home. So I don't know what it's like to live with something that's on a constant loop, especially <laughs> if there's audio involved. Oh, my God. Uh, I would imagine it to be like living outside a bus stop here in New York with a like blind aid PSA that tells you uh, uh, where the bus is just twenty four seven. Can we go to Port Authority when I'm there? Get a w- you know they're 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 planning a complete reno of uh, Port Authority. I mean like that's that's one of the good things that came out of Cuomo's uh, misdeeds. That homo. Cuomo the homo. No Cuomo. <laughs> um, yeah, you are coming to town, and we should check out uh, the the Moynihan Station, oh, yes. the extension to the Penn Station, where that we talked about on one of our uh, past episodes. Yeah, and where there's that Joel Shapiro uh, sculpture that won me the <laughs> wet paint hat. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you say Joel Shapiro, Shapiro, I, uh, I can't help but think of Joel Messler. So you say Joel Shapiro, and I, I, I see the face of Joel Messler in front oh my of God. my eyes. Who's popping off and just uh, sweeping the art world right now. Yeah. I mean, thanks to his bro, Kurdansky, who now uh, added him to the roster officially. <laughs> um, you know, when I first saw him painting portraits for $50 of art fair goers a few years ago, <laughs> I knew he was destined to blow up. <laughs> God, what, sloppy portraits. Why didn't you buy one, Amir? <laughs> My God, I think it was at uh, Independent. Is Independent the one in Tri? There used to be in Tribeca. Um, probably, yeah. Probably moved. It used to yeah. it used to be at that old like Dia Beacon, or sorry, Dia Beacon, the old Dia Chelsea place. Yeah, and then it moved, and yeah, it was like some weird contemporary kind of building. Because right, I went. Once. I thought it was like near. Around the corner from the Hortz collection. Yeah, I think it was around there. Yeah. It's all, so it's that's all where I, 
Right. So that's where I saw him for the first time. Then the second time I ran into him at an art fair was, I guess, at the piers. And I don't mean it in a queer <laughs> contemporary way. When uh, Catherine uh, Bernhard was uh, climbing onto a Tesla Model Y. <laughs> all, I remember that. All white. Pearl white. J-Lo edition. <laughs> Uh, which is when I did some like cross cross wiring in my head and was wondering if if like if this is what a successful career turns into this type of a binge purchase. But then I also realized it was just like a display car that they were doing some promotional event <laughs> at the fair. Um, but yeah, thank uh, thank you, Art World, for keeping uh, keep churning out these uh, boomer icons for us or Gen Z Gen X icons for us. What are they? What generation are they? I have no idea how old Joel Messler is. Like, he could be 38 or 52. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, as uh, as referred to in a previous episode, he's Jewish, so 30 or 70, <laughs> he looks decrepit, and you can't tell how old he is. <laughs> from we all from do, your sorry. lips to the listener's ears, not mine. Except for, <laughs> except for me, because I left Israel at 21, and so I managed to avoid most of sun damage that has uh that has afflicted my family members and friends back home yeah and so if if there were a there were a lineup with me and my siblings and my parents you would think that i'm unrelated <laughs> to the bloodline well i saw my friend asaf a few weeks ago and he left israel at age 19 and i was shocked when he told me his age he's in his early 40s and i thought he was like 35 i mean mm-hmm. not that that's a big difference but in terms of skin aging that's a big difference that's right that's when things start going south so he was very I mean, i've supple. definitely i've been getting some iphone like memories memory notifications uh this past couple of months with older pictures of mine and i definitely think i'm going the kathleen turner route in terms <laughs> in terms of aging or like the um I'm forgetting his name now. Anyway, uh, you know where the face starts like widening. Mm-hmm. This type of uh, why am I so stupidly blanking on the guy who played Trump on SNL, Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. Yeah, <laughs> he also was sort of kind of skinny in his stature, and then all of a sudden he hit forty and started widening. <laughs> and I don't think it was aided or assisted by plastic surgery. <laughs> I mean, your skin looks great. Um, Thanks. Well, you haven't seen me in over a year now. Which is so crazy. A lot could have happened <laughs> in the meantime. My pores could have uh, also endured COVID trauma. You don't know. <laughs> could have cracked. No, but honestly, you and Jordan both have amazing skin and you're like reverse aging. Um, the Benjamin Buttons of Brooklyn. Ew, what a disgusting movie. <laughs> um yeah i just uh yeah i watched the pelican brief last night actually over two nights because i'm that sleepy and it <laughs> sort of uh veered into my nightly cutoff um, 8 p.m <laughs> 10, 10 30 excuse me uh what a great movie such a like a good slice of 90s like hollywood uh power couples like screen power couples with denzel washington and julia roberts who i love uh, and I don't know if you watch the movie, but it ends sort of how I imagine Eat, Pray, Love uh, to start. There's sort of a nice like 
conceptual segue. Um, yeah, I highly recommend watching the Pelican Brief if you're into that, like, okay, is West Wing type, like, criminal drama. I definitely remember it from back in the day. Maybe I saw it when it was on TV. But is there an actual Pelican in the film? Yes. Oh, my God, there is. No, like... There's no there's no pelican in the movie, but it refers specifically to like a thing about pelicans. It's actually about pelicans. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought it it's was no just like I thought it was just like a code word for something. No, no, it's not like a CIA code on <laughs> Oh my god. I can't wait to watch or a sa- it. Safe safe word safe when word. Julia and Denzel get it uh get it hot and steamy. A, a safe word for pride, which is not allowed to be kinky anymore or have nudity. True. <laughs> Especially with uh, all police force members being excommunicated. <laughs> um, well, I've been on a Halston binge. Um, oh, God. On, on a, yeah. <laughs> I'm only, I'm only, uh, I'm only sighing because I watched it a couple of weeks ago already and it's, it's annoyed me so much towards the end that I have very, very small tolerance towards it at this point. Uh, well, I think we can both agree that you and McGregor is really annoying in it. Like, what the hell is going on in the in the sort of midsection of his face that's obviously has not been touched by any surgeon? But like, I know. the teeth, the smile. There's something so off-putting about his whole alleged sexiness yeah but also i feel like in that in that mini series they did like those facial threads or like the tape gaga uses uh-huh. like something seemed the one, facelifty about him is that the one the artists sued her over <laughs> or lawn cheek yeah cheekbone implants <laughs> not that non-invasive procedure um okay. <laughs> and yeah, it was fun. Like, I always like seeing that era because, I don't know, you know, it happened just before we were born. So, thank God for that, honestly. Honestly, Can you imagine? Yes. I could not imagine needing to participate in that or having to take a stand for or against it. <laughs> Living in New York City in the 80s. Oh, my God. Uh Putting aside the whole like fatal STI thing that was uh, rampant, uh, actually that hadn't started when he was like Studio Fifty Four was late seventies into basically the AIDS crisis starting. But was it was there an overlap with Studio Fifty Four culture and the AIDS crisis? Um. Well, let's see. That article from the New York Times about the gay cancer was. I'm googling it right now. Um, just that, full disclosure. Was that penned by was that penned by uh, Don McNeil Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was it was that, just, was that on the was that on the trip to Peru where he uh, dropped the N bomb? Oh <laughs> okay, so the the New York Times story, which was rare cancer seen in 41 homosexuals, was July 3rd, 1981. What is their definition of cancer, though, in this context? Oh, I think it's because they had Carposi's sarcoma, which are those, like, dark lesions that look like a skin cancer. I mean, it is a cancer, basically. It's like an autoimmune cancer, and you get these lesions. So I think it was uh, the sudden, um, you know, explosion. There were 41 cases in New York and California suddenly. Yeah. 
Um, so that's what they mean about the cancers, which, right. You know, I know like in hindsight, it's like, Oh, they called it the gay cancer. And it's like, well, I mean, it was literally a cancer only afflicting gay people suddenly at the time. So that's why that term was used. I mean, this was clearly, sorry, criminally bungled by, by the uh, Reagan administration. Oh, totally. But any, anything at the outset of something so mysterious like this, I wouldn't hold to a high sort of judgment or standard in terms of how it was, um, you know, covered by the press. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because nobody knew anything. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you read the story, it doesn't seem like a, I don't know, I've read it before, I'm skimming it now. Nothing seems like yeah. mean about it or like discriminatory right. or something. It's just kind of being very objective in its description of what's been happening. Well, let me ask you, we, we don't have David on the pod today, but uh, he, he seems uh, a little more uh, informed and also uh, passionate about the, about expressing his opinion on this topic. But all these years later, almost uh, how many years have passed? 40 years have passed. Uh, how justified is this sort of queer AIDS remembrance renaissance that we're experiencing in full force these past uh, like five years or so? What would you say? Yeah, there definitely has been kind of this resurgence and explosion but um i think it's like what we've talked about before like you know with like fire island pines artists and people like this right. uh like there's been a lot of nostalgia about it especially with people who weren't even born in the time this was like a major issue I mean, like you mm-hmm. and I, we were born in 1985, which I mean, that was like the peak of right. of uh, the crisis. But actually, it was still going on into the mid 90s. That's kind of when I think the peak of deaths was like 1996 or something. Yeah, and I even remember a Sex and the City episode where Samantha uh, hooks up with this like uh, with this like super sexy guy who's had sex with all the women in the city and for the very first time this hookup asks her if she had gotten tested lately and she's like uh i actually have never gotten tested for anything and he's like well how do you know that you don't have hiv and the whole episode revolves around that that's like that golden girls episode which was uh very groundbreaking at the time too especially since uh you know years after that golden girls episode uh, it's like elderly Americans are the highest growing, fastest growing category of HIV infection. That's wild. Yeah. I guess the question is, what is there to like sure remembrance? Yeah. I get the benefit in that. But what is the relevance 40 years later? Like how does it pertain to the lives of, I don't know, the white queers of 2021. Yeah, because it is like, it's like white milk toast lib gay men are obsessed with it. Yeah. like I mean, I'm sure I'll get flack for it and I'm sure I'm also getting some fact wrong here, but de facto, um, it's been, it's been cured. I mean, there's, there's a uh, prophylactic, there's several prophylactics. One of them has always been uh, has always been available, even in the eighties, condoms. But like in twenty twenty one, and for years now, there's been uh, pill based prophylactic that essentially yeah. um, makes it true that you could never get HIV. And so, what is like 
I don't know. Maybe I don't want to compare it to the Holocaust with like, okay, how is it, how is it relevant still in our day and age, if not only to like advance other causes yeah. that I'm sure Holocaust survivors would be appalled that uh, their suffering is being, you know, abused and used to uh, elevate other, uh, other issues. Yeah. No, I mean, it's still obviously affecting people because even with prophylactics, I mean, people lack access to them in a lot of contexts or have access but still you know things happen before they pop the pill or Mm -hmm. things like that um no but i think they're i just they're like romanticizing and the kind of like oh this is like a struggle we're still fighting kind of it's like my issue with that kind of i don't know tone or language is like when you look at it through like a nostalgia lens, it's kind of rosy colored and you actually, you're not being victimized by it. It's like, I think the people in the eighties and the nineties were, and no one really cared. You know, there were mm-hmm. kind of allies and some pockets here and there, but yeah. it just not enough was being done, but also like kind of the medical technology wasn't there because really it wasn't until like 1996 where, these treatments actually made a big difference and could, you know, let people lead full lives and not look at it as a death sentence. But, you know, up until that point, it really was de facto. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just think that it thing just, of like wearing, wearing this like badge of like victimhood. Right. You know, it's like, I think it's different if, if it's someone who's like older, who came of age in the eighties or nineties, and this is something they're interested in or something they're pursuing in their work. But if it's like some, uh, you know, 25 year old white gay at fire Island going on about like the AIDS crisis, you're like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't I'm also no thinking of they- here. <laughs> I mean, so it's, uh, well, it's par for the course. Uh, I'm also thinking about David Hammond's this new uh, uh, new public public installation that's I guess uh, a part of a Whitney exhibition because it's across the street from the Whitney. It's called Day's End, and it's sort of a, a huge kind of steel frame skeleton of what used to be Pier 52 uh, that formerly occupied that site. Um, and according to the website, it's an open structure that precisely follows the outlines, dimensions, and locations of the original shed, um, which was a gathering point for, how would you describe it? Um, BJ's, HJ's. (laughs) It was a gay meeting point, right? Yeah, there's there's no point in whitewashing it. No, people were this having was... gay sex there and people were meeting, you know, sex workers and trans sex workers and yeah, getting um railed on the pier. So that's what was happening. I just think that gay people could do or queer people or LGBTQ could do a little better than be viewed or understood not just through the lens of their sexuality. Is that too much to ask for? <laughs> Even in a historical sort of remembrance kind of perspective. I just like, hate that ma- installation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mind it. And with the Whitney, I will say it again. The best part about any exhibition there is the view outside the window, which in this case is David Hammond's <laughs> um, installation, uh, which costs like upward of what, $7, $7 million to... Uh, 
to create, install, promote, etc. So there's even more. Um, that money could be better used, uh, you know, helping homeless LGBTQ youth uh, in New York or racialized LGBT people, Q people. Because mm-hmm. um, actually, $7 million does go a long way in... <laughs> Right. changing people's lives for the better and getting them out of I mean, poverty I'll, or getting them health care or yeah i don't know i will just say i'm all for the aesthetics of like a a ghost monument i love it no matter what um this is like any monument that i don't know there's something nice about this because it's hollow um it seems like you know the ruins of something essentially yeah. i guess i kind of just like the aesthetics but of i mean ruins. aren't those like um, the pier like the actual piers still there like those wooden kind of piles that go into the ground they're still like in the water sticking out right i guess they are there and it's also oh, i just find it so funny like to grow up queer or whatever in 2021 and for the culture to frame this as like the anchor point for you to look back at yeah. like look look what happened to my ancestors they had a like they couldn't have sex with each other in like in their own homes or like in places straight people used to have sex in so they had to like develop a sexual culture in the piers in new york and it was gritty yeah. and it was dangerous and they caught aids there and they died on mass and like i don't know doesn't sound like a very hey queen michelle obama sort of (laughs) lift me up story to tell your children like why tell a story of this immiseration and terrible fate and government mismanagement all through the like sexual proclivities i don't know sorry i've just ventured into (laughs) conservatism sexual conservatism (laughs) with old age i like fucking i'm like, like fucking like have get another hobby like not everything has to be framed through sexual history like also with the craze of everything has to be about the body yeah nowadays like what about the fucking spirit it doesn't yeah. have to be viewed through the carnal but also people just like having sex outside of the home like i think that's a big part of it i don't think it all needs to yeah, be th- read through like is- a political or social lens yeah this is the very unspoken uh fact about gay culture it's been about sex since the dawn of history because men are predatory. Women, you've noticed that already, I'm quite sure. <laughs> um, I'm also noticing it with the fucking Hasidic guy who hit on me in the gym. Who I like had to leave the gym last time I went because he was there ogling me from across the floor. Uh, men are fucking predatory, and I don't mean it in a like in a cynical way. It's just a, a physical fact of their biological existence. And I don't know that we need to put this on a historical pedestal and celebrate this through like this ghost monument that depicts, uh, you know, the tr- the sexual travails of gay men in the 80s and the 70s in New York that wound them up with a sh- really shitty epidemic that killed them, uh, killed them off. Is that an epidemic or a pandemic? Uh, uh, epidemic. But okay. okay, men are hoes, and then when you do a hoe squared. <laughs> ho to the second power that's what happens um yeah yeah and also let's let's talk about the true victims of the aids epidemic bottoms true their numbers i'm sure was way higher than gay tops back in the 80s i mean if anything 
we've heard stories from people who will not be named on this pod of how they evaded, um, you know, getting afflicted by this in the 80s. They were basically either tops or, um, you know, just settled for like dry humping with (laughs) the punks they were hanging out with. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's like, I might just... Oh, sorry. There's a whole industry out there there's like an industry queer, that's the thing and big queer industry yeah, big queer tm and my issue with this monument is the governmental bloat of <laughs> no always like the bloat of the price tag and i get the ghost monument thing but i'm like what is actually interesting of what was happening here isn't the structure or the volume so mm-hmm. I don't get why this is what we need to spend $8 million on representing the volume of a fucking shack on the water. Like there's, I mean, a gargantuan, a gargantuan, a uh, installation is always impressive no matter what you do, except for that one in Berlin on the water. Ugh, yeah. You know, the one I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the molecule man. Um, yeah. But like, <laughs> I don't know. There's other ways too. like, the, it could have even just been like something you stand at a vantage point and there's like, an outline and you're like oh this is where this object was i don't know it's just like like am i supposed to marvel that like wow there was like a warehouse on the water and people had sex in there isn't that crazy like no it's actually not crazy because there's someone like having sex in a park around the corner from you right now so like none of this is old or new like yeah and if anything, I'll, I'll bring up the comparison again. I think that uh, Emhoff and Dragset, um, <laughs> Dragset. Oh <my> <laughs> uh, their queer a uh, queer monument in uh, Tiergarten in Berlin is such a great intimate solution, um, yeah, a visual aesthetic solution for this type of monument. Yeah, as annoying as their work can be, <laughs> like that stupid piece of the Berlin Wall with the ATM um at least i did the the one in tear garden is has like a poetic reinterpretation of things and not just like an outline of mm-hmm. a shack i mean i i i have to admit i enjoy their work greatly i saw one uh, piece in the uh tel aviv museum of contemporary art the the fire escape piece with a mm-hmm. kid sitting on it i don't know if you've ever seen it um I like them. It's just hit and miss for me. I think like the works from like the early 2000s, like there's really interesting things like the Powerless Structure yeah. series. But some of it just got schlocky in the last few years. Like, come I on, mean, the, an ATM sn- with a Berlin Wall. That's like... And the snowman in the fridge at MoMA. That was also a little silly and on the nose. But like the ATM thing to me is like Mr. Brainwash level. Like it's not even Banksy level. It's Mr. Brainwash level <laughs> work. <laughs> Uh, and just one more thing about David Hammonds. I mean, sure, there's a retrospective up now at the Drawing Center, but let us not forget his tent debacle <laughs> in L.A. Do you remember that at Hauser and Worth? <laughs> kind of. Um, okay. Can you re- okay, so refresh my memory? <laughs> yeah, so uh, May 20th uh, article in our Bible, Artnet News, actually, our paywalled bible yeah, you're not our bible anymore and you haven't offered yeah. us free access thanks a lot which we refu- <laughs> refuse to fork over 150 dollars annually just to access some uh, auction sales stats 
Um, okay, so according to the piece, a few blocks from Skid Row, David Hammonds' new show at Hauser and Worth asks Angelinos to imagine themselves as homeless. Oh, that. And, yeah, no, that is trash. Like, and <laughs> crazy. I, I do not even need to describe to you the visuals oh of this installation. You cannot it's imagine so it for yourself. Yeah, love his uh-huh. work. Just not that. And <laughs> the shack. It's uh this was <sighs> just such an abomination this show. Yeah. Uh and also the timing obviously he didn't plan but this this show was up in May uh 2019 just like half a year before covid hit where things oh got markedly worse for for homeless people um and Skid Row just ballooned even yeah. further into this uh, urban mess. Also, Whatever. like if if that had happened, like I don't know, it was a show at like City Hall or something, but like a fucking Hauser and Worth, like who is the clientele there? God. Yeah, can you imagine having a David Hammond's homeless tent in your Long Island estate somewhere, or you're like, um, I don't know, Beverly Hills Bel Air estate, like? Oh my god, like. You know what? Those collectors probably you- <laughs> haven't even driven past Skid Row to go to Hauser and Worth because they're probably taking a helicopter in. <laughs> like, yeah, they should fucking pull a Kardashian <laughs> season eleven. What was it? Where they educated themselves? Yes, that and was drove good. Down that was such a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, I just wonder if one of the collectors in Malibu that has one of those tents on their front lawn lets the kids. Uh, <laughs> sleep in them overnight or have sleepover with the friends covid safe sleepovers <laughs> and a david hammond's uh, homeless person tent god oh my god okay we've just paved our road into hell with this last segment so <laughs> have we <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's been pre-paved for us <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I just, I'm not had, into people like instrumentalizing other people's suffering. I think that's my uh, kind of core eye roll, what we talked okay. about. That's, that's a fair point. I mean, I last week, this week, saw the new Louise Bourgeois show at the Jewish Museum. I went to the preview. And uh, just apropos you saying, talking about instrumentalizing other people's suffering, uh, I was never into Louise Bourgeois' work, mostly, and um, it's silly to admit, but mostly because I was just not educated about it enough. I would see it sort of taken out of context, sort of piecemeal in different shows, like the giant spiders or the the cage sort of uh, installation. And I could never sort of piece it together into something coherent on a, and on a pure like aesthetic visual level. It never quite appealed to me. But this show really puts into sharp relief her like motives and what drives her. So she was basically, uh, she underwent like intense uh, psychoanalytic treatment from the website says 52 to 85. And her, essentially her entire body of work and sorry for like, I don't know, simplifying, I'm sure more uh, avid listeners will um, will have a better articulation of her work than mine. But like essentially her entire body of work is a an outlet for her like deeper dark psyche, which makes perfect sense when you contextualize it in like a Freudian way. And then you see all the work sort of put together in a, the same gallery space from like over the years. 
Um, and just to segue from what you said, I feel like her work instrumentalizes her own personal suffering and, you know, the trauma that she had endured and was able to excavate through a process of psychoanalysis. And I don't know, Bravo, amazing show. I learned a lot about her through the wall text, which I normally don't dwell on, but the Jewish Museum always does a superb job at just explaining things in a, um, I don't know, like, uh, concise yet poetic way thanks jews uh, so everybody thanks jews go see it don't get jew bashed oh on the way to the jewish museum um you'll do fine um, i love, yeah, love that, that review was, and i love how <laughs> no pro how you just like integrate in, <laughs> into everything we talked about like we should really um have a patreon <laughs> <laughs> we should yeah um, I've learned the art of segue through not having been born in America and being that Israelis are just such abrasive and curt uh, conversation partners that when I first moved to uh, to Berlin and realized that Berliners are basically as mute, socially inept <laughs> as the Israelis, um, I realized that like it just made me look at my own culture from. Uh, from an outsider's perspective and then i moved to america where everything's in such a like a social etiquette hyperdrive um that i saw sort of the benefit in why, why am i patting myself on the fucking back here <laughs> next topic <laughs> um I don't know. I'm just scared that I'll bore I'll bore people, so I make these segues that make it impossible <laughs> for them to opt out. <laughs> um, anyway, it's such a beautiful show, and it includes a lot of um, uh, scribbles and like thoughts, like stream of consciousness, like uh, jottings that she uh, she compiled during her psychoanalysis sessions. Mm. So it's it's really interesting, and the insight's great. Also, the Jewish Museum building. It's just incredible. There's no show that you could mount there that will not tremendously benefit from the, like, the, I don't know what the architecture style is, but from that juxtaposition, it really enhances anything you'd put into mm-hmm. that space. Um, I mean, they've they've definitely had some lesser shows in the past. No comment. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember before the, before the, the 20... 2016 election they had like a a political uh group show with like chloe wise in it and i think jonathan horowitz made a made a poster of like all the all the 45 presidents were there 45 or were there 45 terms uh i guess 45 there are 45 So, like, 45 presidents, yeah. all men, and then, like, in black and white. And then the last portrait uh, was of a woman in color, Hillary Clinton, smiling. And I think she's still smiling mm. all the way to the bank. Um, that, was a, that was a pretty reductive and dumb show. Did uh, um, Chloe Wise uh, have a bagel purse hanging there? What did she have in that show? I'm going to look it up on the website. Um yeah and it was in the jewish museum like the jewish museum sorry to get cheesy but the jewish museum has been is responsible for one of the sort of greater formative moments to my practice in the studio i mean i was fucking working the front desk when that soutine show 
was up and I got to see it every day for myself before the galleries opened. Got to inspect it up close, those insane impasto uh, surfaces. And it just, um, I don't know, it hit the spot in a way that still resonates uh, to this day in how I work in the studio and like the, you know, the gestures and the, the mark making. Um, Love it. Yeah. And I also went to the barns over the weekend with a friend of the pod, Steven, who you like. Hey, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, they had a, I really wanted to see that De Koenig Soutine show that opened there a few weeks ago. And uh, the show was great, but I sort of kind of reject the premise of this juxtaposition between De Koenig and Soutine because what the hell is the connection <laughs> or overlap between the two? Like, the exhibition states that De Koenig was influenced by Soutine, but, like, who wasn't influenced by a predecessor in their field? But, like, I don't know, one was Jewish, and his work was all about this, like, relationship between the the carnal and the spiritual, and De Koenig was all about whatever the hell Dutch people are <laughs> are into. <laughs> um, clogs, bitter balls, tax havens. Are, Pretending like they're Native American uh, speakers. Orange. <laughs> orange. Weed culture. Like old school weed windmills. culture. Not windmills. <laughs> Huda. <laughs> not to be uh, confused with Hoda Kotby. <laughs> Um, what has ever good what, what good has ever come out of the Netherlands they're really nice and I don't uh, no they are nice and I don't mean it in a not, like disparaging <laughs> way I'm, I mean it in like a what, what is their uh, global legacy except for tulips and some genocides that I'm sure yeah, history is <laughs> um, um, but they're really nice I all the Dutch people I know are what Germans should aspire to be <laughs> mm-hmm. don't cancel me Really, I've had a, I had a couple of Dutch uh, uh, Dutchmen in my uh, German class back in the day in Berlin, and that guy was just such a such like a, a snake oil salesman. Well, that I'm trying to not generalize. Well, they didn't send their best. So. Nope. Uh, Sorry, it took me forever to see uh, the Jewish museum's involvement with Chloe Weiss, and there's God. a picture of her with that. Fiji water bottle painting and that fucking hala backpack riveting. Well, according to Instagram stories sent by a uh, anonymous friend of the pod, she's looking for a two week rental in the Hamptons. If any of our listeners have a place to offer, she's um, willing to pay you in cryptocurrencies, uh, Canadian dollars. I wonder why Canadian dollars. What is the exchange rate these days on Canadian dollars? I don't dollars? know. Ask her parents. Um, and uh, Or a three-inch painting. So if anyone uh, is interested, hit her up. I mean, a three-inch painting is a bit of a uh, undersell. Yeah. Well, speaking of... Well, I'm also, wait, what else did you send the group chat? You sent a screenshot of... Uh, Rashad Newsom studio is seeking Vogue femme performers from the following countries for upcoming project in New York City. Visas, flights, accommodations, all taken care of. This is a three to four month oh paid God. gig for serious performers only. For more info, contact the email below with your name, contact info, house affiliation, if any, and clips of your performance 
France, Mexico, Sweden, Brazil, Japan, Spain, Germany, Hong Kong, London, Beijing, Sydney, New Zealand, Taiwan, Amsterdam, Shanghai, Moscow. Interesting. Who do you think is that overworked artist liaison exactly. who would have to uh, handle the artist visas trying for to get people a... traveling in, trying to get in from Brazil yeah, exactly. in May of 2021? From an area of high variant concern, um, you are an alien of extraordinary abilities with your voguing. <laughs> we can't find voguers in America. <laughs> You think this liaison has access to uh, overnighting uh, uh, some Modernas or Pfizer shots over to Brazil? Ugh. Oh my god! Oh well. Um, well, yes. Anyways, that yeah. Go ahead. No, no. What were you gonna say? Um, no, I was just gonna say the show at the Barnes is just so beautiful, and I love that museum, that foundation, so much. Um, and that Jew was just a smart cookie to collect the finest of, you know, impressionisms and expressionisms like uh, in 2021, top dollar works. Must have been nice. Um, uh, you know, he was a sort of uh, self-made, I guess he was like a, a failed whatever and then went to medicine, uh, uh, went into medicine and made his fortune there or whatever. And at the same time, just was collecting all these artists work who, oh, crazy. you know, they were... It, he wasn't collecting them in uh, sort of after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like one one tidbit of information that I was unaware of when I saw the uh, Soutine show was Soutine's first foray in uh, stateside was in like, I think either the early 50s, he had been long dead, but like the first time he was shown in MoMA was in the 50s. Uh, so there's hope for me for posthumous <laughs> blow up. Girl, you're blowing up now. Oh my god. Anyway, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. I had a segue that you foiled, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but I want to ask you, have you been to a uh, little island? No, I have not, and I am actually excited to go there. Can we... Friend of the pod Sage is coming over this weekend. Uh, oh, she's she coming is. to visit us from uh from Key West, we might take her there, but if not, you, my next yes. visitor, shall be taken there. Okay, I was going to say, can you hold off for me? But if Sage is coming and wants to go, you should go with Sage. I um, mean, the weather is supposed to be pretty wet here this weekend, so we might not uh, make it into the city for that because it's like open air. But it'll definitely oh, bookmark it for you. Oh, thank you. We can we can go to Little Island, and then we can go to like Dallas Barbecue, and then we can go to the Eagle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm keeping you up past your bedtime oh that's fine i think for you i'll put my intermittent fasting on pause and also <laughs> i'll extend my cutoff <sighs> well i can't wait to do um, our review of it because um um crypto homosexual mogul barry diller um i thought you were gonna say kenny shocker <laughs> <laughs> um spearheaded the fundraising of this 260 million dollar uh, floating park on the hudson i mean good for him yeah and for us yeah i mean the the high line is fun when there's no one on it <laughs> when you can actually get through <laughs> right i um i'm i'm generally a critical person but as as it pertains to new york city i like the city's on the right track. 
it's it's like it's in a good state. There's lots of fun things to oh, do totally. in the city. There's a lot of uh, it's not annoying the, people, but also a lot of well, fun people. Well, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's New York City by definition. Yeah. Um, I just mean to say that it's not dilapidated, and yeah. uh, I have I have zero yearning to a nostalgia of the past of like the gritty '70s in New York City. Oh my god, which it sounds terrible. Maybe we can. Maybe we can shortly segue back into uh into the Halston era, but I don't know. I, I struggle even to romanticize that era to the point where I like entertain the the fun times that could have been had living through that time. Yeah. I mean the downsides of that era of New York just seem terrible. And like, you know, many people from that era say it's like do you really want to live in a time where people were just like setting everything on fire and getting mugged on the subway and like there was poverty and also, everywhere the, and yeah can you imagine the air quality during that uh during the oil crisis and all the diesel like, cars, cars oh it's just terrible and everybody fucking in polyester <laughs> sweating their asses off God, like everyone's the subway in the summer with everyone's polyester pits. yeah yeah, I'm sure everything smelled like piss. I don't even know for a fact that the Coke was pure back in the day that everybody was burning holes through their nose with. Stevie Nicks style. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I'm sure Studio 54 smelled terribly like sweat. It probably also smelled like sewage. There was a basement there. People were like hanging out oh, in for the sure. den. And like probably had like sewer backup smell. Um, I will say my most favorite character throughout this whole show was that woman, that poor woman who got stuck in the uh, air duct. Oh my god! And died there. Who I thought was I Bette Midler. <laughs> <laughs> when she appeared, I thought that was I, a Bette Midler storyline. Like she was about to go to the Continental <laughs> Baths after and start her like gay bathhouse singing career. <laughs> oh my god! I, well, I looked it up, and it's not based on uh, on true events. Oh, it's not. No, it's that specifically is not. Yeah. But that happened in Winnipeg, like around really? the time I was in university. Yeah. This guy um, who two of my friends knew crawled behind a wall at this club we would go to called there was Collective Cabaret and up top was D Machine and they had 80s night and it was really fun. And then we would get pizza slices after and then an American apparel took it over. Uh, <laughs> Which is where when they found the body or what? They found the body when uh, smoking was banned. Mm-hmm. And so it took oh some time for the smell of like the constant smoke to go away. And then someone smelled like a dead body smell. And then they found him. Wow. And this guy had been missing for a couple of years. And they just had no idea mm-hmm. what happened. And they assumed it was like, oh, it must have been like gang related or something. But he basically crawled behind a wall because there was like some hollow area. And he just got like trapped and f- and fell or something. I don't know. Like it's really Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't discovered like a caravan of dead bodies in Bergheim oh over God, the years. Totally people dying to get in literally oh my god um <sighs> yeah when is that coming back well i've heard so many rumors that Berkine has been sold um really yeah i heard that deutsche bank bought it with some other investor i've heard a rumor that like boros is gonna move their bunker like part of it there so it'll be like the boros annex 
part two. You know, I've never, I've never been to that collection. You're not missing anything. It's a lot of second rate art. Sorry. I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm going to look it up on their website now. It's like, I, it's the artists who are like really successful, like, you know, show with really successful Berlin galleries. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, who's that artist? Why are they huge? I have no idea. Um, well, I'm seeing that the, the current show, oh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Chinese artists in their collection. Do you think they had to make a formal apology <laughs> and state that Taiwan is not a state lest they trigger the Chinese people? <laughs> That's a thought of in, the pod. John Man- Cena, WWE. In Mandarin. <laughs> former wrestler, if no one saw. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, what he's a hot. fucking loser. <laughs> uh, he's, he's imploding. Um... um Okay, I'm seeing a lot of all all four Eliasson in their collection. Yeah, it's uh-huh. just like, especially the first hanging they had. Like I had done the tour a few times, and it was just kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care. You know. Sorry, I'm scroll. I'm scrolling through this very lame interface. I see some Wolfgang Tillmans, but of course, uh, Alicia Quade. Is that how you pronounce her name? Uh, Kavada. Kvada, I like her work. Yeah, I like her work. She's really nice. I like I like those orbs that are uh, cut off uh, by mirrors that she had at the at Koenig. Mm-hmm. Like half, what was it? Like half globe, half stone. Oh yeah, it was like something. stone with a mirror kind of thing, like a half globe. Yeah. Um, Thomas Thomas Scheibitz, most overrated German artist, if you ask me, painter that is. Not into his work. Sorry, fans. Jan Vo. Jesus, this is so slow moving. I weigh way. Um, sorry, I'm just. And it's just like you have to. You go on a tour, and you're you're held captive in each of the rooms you go into, and you're not allowed to like stay for two minutes longer to actually look at something because the tour must continue mm-hmm. on. And I don't know. It's just it feels very like adult theme park to me. You know, like right, like art as a. I don't know, like contrived attraction. And also Berlin is really trying, bending over backwards to export to the world what New York did with Brooklyn, only with like the Hitler bunker aesthetics. Give me a break. Like fucking give it a, give it a break. And also what did I uh, read in the news recently that Germany's seeking a cultural heritage status for nightclubs? No, they, they, I don't know, like a tax court declared that or something like, whatever oh, okay something about like building code <laughs> like just over oh, i thought it, it was like a i thought they wanted like a unesco recognition <laughs> no. for Bergheim. Oh <laughs> i just hope it ninth I, world wonder i actually hope it did get sold and it closes i just don't want to hear about it anymore <laughs> so i'm sorry i keep talking about it but it's just like why can, oh my God. can't you imagine the first post-covid party like a week-long like a yeah um, sounds horrible yeah People are going to drop like flies after not yeah. having, uh, you know, overdosed on uh, yeah, MDMA for a year Gee. and a half. Gee, oh my God. Sad. You think people take that recreationally? Uh, yes, because people are addicted to it. I My friend is a psychiatrist at a hospital and he told me there are people addicted to it. Um, 
a friend of a friend passed away, unfortunately, from it. And but like, how do you take it recreationally? What's the what's the daily setup for? Well, people just uh, do it because it like numbs them, and then they just get hooked on it, and that's the sad thing. But it's so short lived. The effect. I don't know. I've never done it. So okay, I've only done it once, and I threw up immediately. <laughs> so that was the beginning and the end of my experience with G. Uh, yeah, I'm sure people build a tolerance, and then they're just. You know, like the way I feel when I have like a red wine and I feel like <laughs> woozy. I'm sure that's the feeling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, thank God for inter- intermittent fasting because uh, <laughs> for the most part during during COVID here, I have had at least two glasses of red wine every fucking night because I was subscribing to the whole approach of, you know, wine and antioxidants. Yes. This is good for you. But uh, that's also like having your blinders on for the fact that it's empty calories and uh, a sugar bomb, basically. You deserve it. Thanks, Queen. Thanks, Queen. (laughs) Um, Do we have any fun hot topics that we want to maybe address? Uh, Yeah, we have a few. Okay. All right. So according to our paywalled former Bible, um, Artnet News... Wait, is that a paywalled piece? <sighs> no, this is not paywalled. So, oh, okay, because so. I I don't even have the like the sort of back entrance. Uh. <laughs> oh, I've tried to hack the site. I actually went into the source code. <laughs> it didn't work. Um, okay, so Roman street artist Alessia Babro is suing the Vatican after its coin and postage postage agency printed her artwork on a stamp without permission. Uh, Babro's image depicts a painting by 19th century German artist Heinrich Hoffmann of Jesus uh, with her own tag of a heart reading, Just Use It, written across his chest. She posted the work, (laughs) which she made in 2019, near the Ponte Vittorio Emanuele II Bridge by the Vatican, which I don't remember seeing with you, Amir. No. Uh, But never expected it to catch the eye of church officials. Then the Vatican issued a special stamp for Easter 2020, what a time, uh, featuring the street <laughs> art piece. It credited Hoffman, but not Babro, who first learned of the stamp through Instagram. I am considered a mix between Marina Abramovich and Banksy, she says. Oh, okay, girl. <laughs> uh, according to some article, um, Babro is seeking 130,000 euro in damages. The case is said to be heard in court on December 7th thoughts um yeah i'm all for um extracting money out of that corrupt institution (laughs) uh so less of it goes to child molesters and other superfluous and redundant operations and um my other thought is that i am still salivating at the uh at the memory of that porchetta sandwich we had at the (laughs) oh my god the porchetta sandwich was the the bomb (laughs) at the coffee shop of the vatican uh, city uh museum yeah, it was like it a mall food court. It was good. It was just the perfect combination between crisp mm-hmm. and that amazing sort of Tus- Tuscany style, like white bread with a hard crust. Uh, oh and it God. was smeared with nothing but the oozing oil from the porchetta um, cut. Yeah, and that pork was so good. It was like, it was incredible. Oh my God. That was the best Who sandwich I- I've ever had. Absolutely, hands down. I even left a five-star review on Google. Uh, Google. Um, um, 
And uh, who was I talking to recently that had also said they visited the museum shortly before COVID hit and were just like us because we were there in February. We were, you, you know, you're ushered through the corridors like a um, like a herd of, uh, you know, of sheep, basically. And uh, looking back at that experience of us being crammed into these like tight corridors with how many hundreds of people in February of 2020 know, crazy. is just insane. I can't believe we didn't get COVID. But I guess this, I guess the spirit of the Lord uh, didn't care that I was Jewish and protected me from <laughs> Thanks, an God. Thanks, Jesus. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's what's your thought on this like silly little fantasy style work? Um, yeah, the works, whatever. I totally agree with you. Extract as much as you can from <laughs> that corrupt mafia. That said, there's always this street artist drama. It's like, if you don't want someone using something, don't anonymously put it up on a wall. That's all I have to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's public domain at that point. Yeah, and like, how are you proving ownership? Like, in a court of law? Right. What, a computer file? And then be like, well, how can you prove that computer file was created before it was up on a wall? Right. So. Also, what does it mean just use it? What is that referring <laughs> to? I don't know. Like some ad busters garbage. <laughs> whatever whatever pass next all right (laughs) um former bbc director tony hall has resigned as chairman of london's national gallery following the conclusion of an inquiry into a controversial 1995 interview with princess diana that aired under his watch the inquiry found that reporter martin bashir landed the infamous interview after he gained diana's confidence with faked documents suggesting she was under surveillance and that the BBC subsequently covered up his wrongdoing. By the way, this is here because David was supposed to be on today. <laughs> also, I loved your pronunciation of the word subsequently. Oh, thank you. And inquiry. <laughs> <laughs> this is from my time um, watching uh, CBC, Canadian Broadcasting <laughs> Corporation. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm surely wrong about it, but I... I'm struggling to believe that Diana was duped by it into such a, uh, you know, a wide, uh, such a, such an interview on BBC. Do you believe that? Um, she was probably paranoid because, I mean, he was saying that these things were happening behind the scenes or whatever. But also, uh, sorry, she had been in this royal family for over a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it was all justified and she already knew what was happening and the way she was treated and you know how the whole system functioned. So I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, her whole state of being at that point was just one huge cry for help. So that interview seemed like the, the logical extension of that basically. Yeah. Yeah. Her whole life sadly was a cry for help. Like she threw herself down the stairs while pregnant yeah you know with i think prince william uh she clearly had a lot of demons to deal with and the whole situation just made it worse which is unfortunate i mean the the person i feel worse for is prince harry now or is he still called a prince or should i just (laughs) refer to him as harry (laughs) um because 
I don't know if you saw his like voodoo cleansing PTSD therapy, but that was pretty cringe. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, he was doing like Oaxaca, uh, <laughs> no, <what>? the Haka, <laughs> like the New Zealand. No, thing. like the black Black Panther. Oh, gesture. What, what is that? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I still haven't seen pretty, it. Pretty, <laughs> pretty embarrassing. It's not a good movie. Sorry. Um. Yeah, that whole thing is very embarrassing to me, and I am also not a I'm not a stan of the royal family, not not even out of like uh, yeah, you know cultural interest, and so like I really don't have a dog in this race. Yeah, and then in terms of like the director, sorry, the chairman of the National Gallery now being let go yeah. from his job, like. I mean, honestly, if uh, this proves out to be true, then sure, all this shady dealing should definitely lead to someone uh, uh, getting fired. But like, also, Martin Bashir has made a huge name for himself in the U.S. ever since, and yeah, and the Michael Jackson disaster. Yeah, and he's he's so revered here in like the news core, and I don't know. I also think he's a hack, and basically anyone on cable news is a hack. Period. You shouldn't watch it. It's garbage um true I'm, I'm trying to think if there's a reason for me to retract this uh categoric <laughs> statement but like i truly can't think of a single person on a uh, cable news that i think is a uh worth our worth its airtime yeah i'm trying to think right now and i can't think of anyone either i mean lisa yeah. chris como's hot but that's it but he's such a fucking idiot he is like he's a bumbling idiot yeah, he's he's uh, uh. skated by on his looks and family cl- uh, connections for his whole life. Yeah. Um, pass. Bye. Bye. Um, all right. And according to Art Forum, who posts news about once a week, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to up their news desk operation. Yeah, they're they're not even Web one point They're like operating like no, a nineteen ninety six enterprise. Actually, I'm I'm sure they're overstaffed, but they have such like aggressive agenda that leads every single story they post that I don't think most news make the cut basically because it doesn't <laughs> contort to their sort of uh, view of things. Totally. Uh, well, so according to them, um, David's Werner Gallery introduces click to buy platform following a surge in online art sales. Spurred by the COVID-19 crisis of the past year, blue chip gallery David's Werner is debuting its click-to-buy marketplace platform today. The website will offer roughly 100 original works of art per month from a dozen independent galleries scattered across the globe. Prices for the works are initially expected to range from $2,500 to $50,000, with buyers able to view prices and click a buy button rather than an inquire button that is typical of many online gallery-run sales sites. Uh, and as we heard from a source, um, they are taking 20% of sales. Thoughts? Uh, my question is, how do, you, uh, how do you regulate it? Or is, is it like a lottery system? What happens with a really popular piece that goes online? Is it like first come, first uh, served? Or Oh, I guess so. Yeah, maybe it is. Are they doing like drops, like uh, sneaker heads are accustomed to? Because <laughs> that, that's a model that I was never really into, this like needing to be online oh, and God, counting down the seconds before you can 
frantically refresh the page only to have like been blocked out because of an out- outage or something. Yeah, and people who use bots, like, yeah, that's that's the point. Like for years, uh, whenever I would buy stuff on eBay, I would just like put it in through a bot. Oh, really? Mm, look at you. Yeah, because some some stuff I wanted, and those things are so easily accessible online. Yeah. Uh, and it just does like the mechanical bidding for you. And the other the other uh, format I uh, the other place I used lottery for was to uh, get opera tickets here at the Met. <laughs> um, every day at like ten ten a.m. or something before COVID, they would open this uh, this lottery for um, you know subscription holders who couldn't make it to that night's performance, and so they had like basically the best seats in the house, usually in the orchestra section. And those tickets would be opened up for uh, for people who are interested. Uh, and can't afford like an orchestra seat basically that's upward of $150 usually and so I would essentially once a week would go to the opera for $25 and would sit in the best place in the house amazing uh, but I would have to like set a reminder for myself and frantically refresh the page and I would have two accounts just in case one was like overused <laughs> and it, it's a whole thing and like I'm sure the wealthy and the haves also has staff that could frantically refresh the page for them or like find bots to like manipulate the system if it's i don't even know what i'm talking about because i don't know what would grade work they would uh upload to the platform um but i can't imagine it's like stuff people are not interested in buying really oh definitely yeah i just remember um, trying to like buy tickets on Ticketmaster back in the day and yeah you know the hoopla is there is there a name for that online platform? It's called Platform. <laughs> platform? No, but wasn't Platform the uh, that sort of hospitality gesture they did during COVID to uh, host galleries from either New York or Los Angeles for online viewing rooms? This is basically the extension of it. I think it was successful and they probably identified that there's a, a business model in it of, you know, having a hand in all pies. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, why not? Absolutely, why not? Why should you not be able to buy art online? Oh, definitely. Like any other commodity, uh, especially if it's a, it's a proven artist. And if anything, I think it will do great service to uh, underrepresented artists, surely by way of the context of the... Uh, of being uh, shown and offered by David Zwerner with Zwerner taking a 20% cut of it anyways. Like it's a, it's a win-win situation for them. Yeah. And like, it's not like they're signing on any of these like lesser artists should they want to sell their work. Uh, I also don't know if any of the galleries that were shown, shown during platform uh, in the online viewing rooms, if any of them went on to either have a sustainable relationship, business relationship with Zwerner and, or if any of the galleries roster artists uh, are considered for representation or showing by Zwerner. I'm guessing not, but maybe somebody in the know could yeah. uh, slide into our DMs. I mean, if any of those artists explode or and are hugely in demand, I'm sure they would. But uh huh, I wonder. Maybe then they have more data too to see how hot things right. are. Yeah, as opposed to I just mean, hearsay. You know, yeah, you know me. I'm pretty uh I'm pretty paranoid when it comes to big money, but at the same time this doesn't uh this doesn't raise a red flag for me. 
love it like yeah i I don't know i don't (laughs) yeah uh have you ever listened to their podcast no okay i i don't i only listen to our podcast three times a week (laughs) (laughs) i i gave a uh i gave a five minute try to the jordan wolfson beeple episode they had and it was just so i just couldn't handle the like the layers on layers of like irony and like uh like uh, snootiness and like the high culture meets low culture, oh, whatever. God. And at the end of the day, Beeple's way more eloquent and smart than any other like uh, bloated artist in this industry. He's able to like make a perfectly articulate case for himself and also as to like why you shouldn't take him too seriously, which I wish most of us and other artists would yeah. also uh, would be an approach they assume. Well, it's um, easy to it's easy to be snooty and high cultured when your parents have bankrolled it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I guess uh, this was a pretty uh, art heavy episode. Yeah, it was. Um, I feel like the FCC uh, just <laughs> yeah. I feel like the FCC just granted us a stay of execution. <laughs> um, what are you up to this week? Anything exciting? um yeah so our friend sage is coming up from key west we're gonna spend memorial day weekend here in the city um i've been hitting the so house in dumbo oh my so god you can find me poolside oh my um, god i can't wait to go i've been dining there for free with that credit from that uh our trade that i did with them um my only complaint is that the service is really slow get a uh get a grip on yourselves guys um, can we split a cheeseburger? Otherwise, yeah, we d- split. You mean get two? <laughs> <laughs> they have definitely made their whole menu way healthier than it used to be. So like, uh, it was guac so chips oily now, before. It was insane. Yeah. So now guac chips are uh, guacamole and like homemade terra chips. Oh, nice. And uh, what's the French word for like sliced? Um, J- like Julien. Strips? <laughs> no like specific oh. specifically speaking like strips of uh, carrot oh, and julienne. uh no that's oh. not that's the cutting way but there's a there's a term oh, like for that thin sort of, slices like a potato would yeah be there's a term a, for there's a term in, yeah there's a term in french for this uh, bundle of uh of slice uh yes. anyway so that's like that's like a healthy version of guac and chips and also there i had the rotisserie chicken yesterday sorry for boring the ass out of our <laughs> listeners but it was so healthy to the point where I was like enjoying it conceptually, but also like craving for that like that like greasy je ne sais quoi in the dish, which mm-hmm. wasn't there. It was just like a really yummy um like charred chicken on a bed of like yogurt and sliced like vegetables basically. Mm-hmm. So it was just like four hundred calories tops. Ooh, sounds snatched. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I've just been intermittent fasting for eighteen hours. Please plug <laughs> me with some calories. <laughs> oh, you were thinking of gratin. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Gratin is in the oven. Oh god, I don't um, know. I I'm gonna pull up the menu while you tell me what you're up to this week. Uh I am dealing with workplace hell right now. <laughs> Even though this is our mm-hmm. positivity episode, uh, mm-hmm. I just have a crazy deadline for a project I'm excited to share next week, um, mm-hmm. but it's for a big group show that's happening all summer outdoors in Berlin. 
Crudit. Crudit. Oh, crudit. sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's just because I have a show opening tomorrow in Paris, uh, a gallery Derouillon. If anyone's in Paris, please check it out. Congrats. Thank you. Um, but it's just been like a lot of stress the last couple of months to deal with like these two basically overlapping timelines of making the works and this thing are, are you lang- are you languishing according <laughs> to the uh new york times uh no i'm spiraling and worn out <laughs> <laughs> and this show in berlin there's like 20 pieces so it's been insane and i'm not finished it's incredible it's like a it's like a mid-career <laughs> retrospective <laughs> but it's it's all functional it's it's like sculpture furniture so you know when when it's just an artwork i that... love a good fun i love good functional <laughs> art thanks but you know if if it was just a painting you could have like one painting in a group show but when it's furniture and it's like well this actually needs to serve a purpose for this show because there's a lot of public programming and stuff so right. the architects who have designed the space made furniture for it, but then they also like need my contribution to add Are more seating bearing? space. Uh, Are they load bearing? How how big could you have gotten over COVID uh, <laughs> and still enjoy your functional furniture? Well, I sat on it and didn't crush it today. And as someone who <laughs> did crush a chair in 2016, um, <laughs> I think it will stand up to the test. So great yeah well i can't wait to see you in uh i guess it's like three weeks in a in a heartbeat in a heartbeat um <sighs> sorry i got i gotta correct myself it's crudite <laughs> it's not crudite sorry for assuming an american pronunciation crudite isn't that just um, like a, a veggie tray in a cup <laughs> a crudite <laughs> like yeah, some carrot sticks <laughs> Yeah, our French appetizers consisting of slicer whole raw vegetables. Um, yeah. Anyways, maybe you can start your diet here in So House in yes. New York because this is where you uh, go to not consume a lot of calories. <laughs> and also that pool is amazing. I will just say that house is far superior to the meatpacking one, which I will forever hold dear to my heart because of its originality and place in cultural history in New York City. And sexicity. F- yeah. But also, that's just the fucking views from the Dumbo house. Like, it's nestled between the two bridges. Oh, my God. And you have full, like, almost panoramic view of, like, downtown Manhattan all the way up to, like, Empire State Building. It's just gorgeous. Okay, can we go multiple times when I'm there? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, I'm packing multiple bathing suits. (laughs) And I told you, I also noticed they have a studio space there, like, for recording. I haven't managed to, like, look up any useful information about it on their website, but maybe we could record one of our future episodes. I would love it. I'm sure the sound is, like, really dead in there. (laughs) Yeah, we can really do our uh, vocal fry there. Um, Oh, and I have one last recommendation. I also saw the Pedro Reyes show at Listen um last week and it's just gorgeous he's one of my favorite mexican artists um he's sort of our age no he's older than us gen x bang Bang. Uh, this is a geriatric millennial podcast yeah exactly uh nothing better than to be uh you know called a certain way that you're never subscribed to (laughs) exactly i'm generation y bitch okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm generation hey queen And with the hat, bye. Bye.